Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe. And as always, I'll be joined by former England fast bowler Steve Harmison for another busy show. We'll build up to England's World Cup semi-final against New Zealand and we'll also be joined by players from both teams as we speak to Black Caps opening batter Daryl Mitchell and England fast bowler Tamal Mills. We'll also discuss how Jason Roy's injury will affect England's selection and Scotland captain Kyle Kutter reflects on a historic campaign for them. But also get the first of Harmy's top five Ashes moments and hear from New Yorkshire chair Lord Patel. So much to come over the next hour. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2. Well, Harmy, um, as if England didn't have enough uh, injury problems, uh, they've now lost Jason Roy. What, what I find most fascinating is how many options there are to, to fill the gap. You know, legitimately, there are four or five different ways England might go to replace him. Starting, I suppose, with a straight swap, put James Vince in there. Crazy, man. It's absolutely crazy of the depth and the bench strength that, that England have got. I'm more going towards the bowling option rather than the batting option. And the batting options is best still to open, leave status quo as they are. Vince or Billings to come in open. Everybody moves up one and... Probably Billings would be if he came into the, the middle order. But it just shows you how strong England have gotten. New Zealand trying to predict which way England would go. I think it would be very, very difficult. I personally would bring David Willey in to bowl with the new ball, left arm option. What I've noticed with these these white kookaburras, first over, second over, they have swung. And if you, you look at someone like Martin Gupto, um, left armer, doesn't move his feet that well, catch him on the crease. I'd be I'd be more inclined to go with trying to get a bowling option in there, you know, for me for that. That's the only reason I would I would bring Willie in over a Vince to go up top or because that would be so I think that would be that's a big ask. 
to be to be not in the squad and then three days later you're in the squad and by the way you're opening the baton going in first against Saudi and Bolt in a World Cup semi-final. Poor, that's an ask. Uh, that is a that is a bit of an ask. So um, England have got options. I'm devastated for Roy. Uh, we talked about Mills last week, but I'm devastated for Roy because Jason Roy has worked so hard on his game in that power play, the first part of the power play against spin, because I think that was where the worry was. It, on these surfaces, he might just get bogged down first two overs and then give it away. I actually think he's been brilliant at just taking the pressure off off Josh Butler. Um, so that is a big, big loss for England in that uh, in that power play because the Roy-Butler combination has been very, very good. But like you said, England have got options and it gives somebody a chance, hopefully, to make a name for themselves in a World Cup semi-final and final. Do you think Johnny Bairstow is eyeing the top of the order again? I mean, he had a great time up there before he was moved down to number four. Yeah, I think he might have, I think he might have did that as he was walking out to bat when Jason Roy was hobbling off. <laughs> Think he might have, I think he might have tried to run out the crease and say, right, I'm just going to take over from his place now. And that this is this is me for the status quo. I think Johnny wants to open a baton. I think he feels as though it's the best place to bat. I hear some of the commentators say, ah, but Johnny's good against spin in the middle orders and he's good at slog sweeping the spin and you know, reverse sweeping. But I think Johnny needs to get like get going like everybody else. And I think he gets going best when he's he's facing the quick bowlers up front. And then he can challenge and take on the, the, the spin bowlers in the middle. I personally think Johnny Bairstow and J- uh, Josh Butler should open the baton. I wouldn't ask Vince to go in first. I think that's a big ask. I wouldn't ask Billings to go in first for the same reason. I think I'd go Bairstow up front, Mo and Ali to, Mo and Ali to four, and then you bring your, your, your player into the middle, which would be next cab off the rank, Billings. But I look at it and think, well, if Billings bats, it, it comes in his side, he has to bat seven. Because he has to bat after Livingston, he has to bat after Morgan. They've been playing in a tournament and they know the surfaces and they know where they, you know, what the, the dimensions of ground and everything that go with it. If Billings is going to bat seven and you're bringing him in for that, I just don't see the point of him facing four or five balls. I'd rather have a potential of a, a new ball option that can swing the white ball in Willie at the, start, at the start. And then you've got two overs of, of left arm option in the middle just to change the angle up if needed, just to give Owen Morgan you know, a, a, a variation of four fast bowlers and the spin bowling options that he's got. We need to start redefining batting orders in funny cricket, though, don't we? I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not really a, a numbers thing. I mean, it, it depends on how many, who's bowling for the opposition at that time, how many overs there are to go, who's got overs left to bowl. Mo and Ali's been used as a, a floating, <laughs> floating batsman and in all three formats, so it's not, it's not it's not difficult for him. But I think all batsmen need to get their heads apart from the openers. All batsmen need to get their heads around the fact that it, it's a fluid it's a fluid batting order, isn't it? Yeah, and England have done that really well. I think England have done that well. Morgan went in to put a fire out when England were three down in, in a power play. Sent Livingston in when it was it was the right time. England have got options, and that's why I think that top six is is so strong. And again, that's why we said right at the very top, are the one batsman too heavy? Because number seven, at the start of the tournament, we were thinking likely to be Mo and Ali. And pleased he has been that floating option. And you've also got to chuck one other thing into the equation as well. Left and right hand combinations on the grounds, which have got a small boundary on one side, is so valuable. And England have got that left and right hand combination very, very well when it, it comes to the middle order. So... 
like you said, England and Pakistan have probably been the best two teams in the tournament because they're being flexible, because they've got a lot of good depth and bowling options for their captain to choose. Um, and it, it seems that they've, they've got the, the game plan that's going well. They've got two players at the top of the order who challenged the, the power player in, in, in two ways, really. They, they look at the first three, the power player, and then they attack the, the, the next three, the back three. And the problem that England might have for, for the semi-final, they haven't got that person who attacks the, the, the front three, and that's, that was Jason Roy. Jason Roy, more often than not in the tournament so far, has hit probably four or five boundaries in the first three overs, which is just give Joss Butler time to get himself going and then accelerate through the back end of the power play. So, you know, that's going to be something that England are going to be mindful of as well going into the game against New Zealand. You mentioned Malali a couple of times. This is what he had to say about the loss of Jason Roy. It is a massive loss, not just because of the way he bats, but also when he brings in the field. And I think um, around the boys, the confidence that he brings, when especially when guys are maybe feeling a bit nervous, etc. He's the one guy that really puts his hand up and sells our nerves and helps us get through that um, period. So he's, he's a massive blow, but um, he'll be around still for that. Um, just the, the confidence that he goes out with and the way he takes on the bowlers is... It gives everybody else a bit of a boost, and that'll be the yeah. That's Mo Ali talking about Jason Roy. How does the rest of the squad feel when uh, a player as big as, as Jason Roy goes goes down, is injured? Is it a big downer for, for everybody else, or do they just rally round and concentrate on it being an opportunity for somebody else? I think it's a con- it's concentrating it's an opportunity for somebody else, man. As I look at this side and you look at the way they've gone so far in the last what, 12 to 18 months, you've gone Archer out, one of the best white ball T20 bowlers in, in the game, in the game at the moment. You go Stokes, one of the best players of the modern modern generation with both bat, ball and field, out. And then they've had even more hiccups in the last few, you know, in the last few weeks when you've you've had no Mills who's gone well in the tournament. Wood was out before the tournament started, but he's now back fit. Um, England have had some setbacks and it still hasn't hasn't uh, you know, derailed the train going towards the target, which is to try and win the T20 World Cup. It just looks as though this is the machine that we've got. The game plan is not going to change. Um, and somebody just fits in and takes over from from the man who's been misfor- had the misfortune of missing through injury or, or through bad form. So I think that's testament to Owen Morgan, Chris Silverwood. And Trevor Bayless, you know, before building the pool of players that can fit into a unit that can perform at, on any given day and not lower the standards of the side. And I think that, for me, is why England are so good and so strong. OK, let's turn our attention to Thursday's semi-final between Pakistan and Australia. It amuses me when people say, oh, Pakistan, you know, they're, they're due a failure. They've won five in a row. Well, never mind that. I think they've won 16 in a row in the UAE. <laughs> And and something like you know twenty out of twenty at uh, at at the Sheikh Zayed Stadium in Abu Dhabi. I mean they know these conditions so well. Why is it that we we tend to think that England are are better off for having had the hiccup against South Africa? Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. I'm not sure. I hear that oh, it's it's a kick up the backside. It's a <clears throat> it's a reality check. And it's like well, no, it's not. Yeah, these are top top sides because. You know, they left they leaves no stone unturned and they make sure that they are you know, well drilled, well prepared, uh, preparations great, and they're ready for the for the challenge that comes ahead. Um, I just thought England got beat by a better side. 
you know, no Jason, you don't lose Jason Roy, and that could be the difference between winning and losing the game. And look at this Australia side. Again, they're, they're a little bit hit-miss. Um, the balance of the side is a lot better now. They started off with this balance of the side. Then they changed it a little bit to get um, Ashton Agar in, another spin option. That didn't really work, even though Agar got a few runs with the bat. It doesn't really work. I think they've got the balance right now with the, that middle order of you know, Smith, Stoinis and Maxwell, or Maxwell and, and Stoinis. Um, and you've got the, the bowlers. For me, I think they've got a very, very good bowling attack. I think if they can knock Pakistan's power player, then they've got a chance of beating Pakistan. But like you said, you know, five out of five in this tournament, 16 in, in our, these are a fantastic unit. We said right at the very start, didn't we, man? You know, people are writing Pakistan off. These guys have been playing. You know, they've, they've had the misfortune of not having England tour, that not New Zealand went home. But all their players went back and played domestic T20 cricket. And sometimes, you know, that is better because the likes of Afridi, the likes of Rizwan and, and Baba Razan, they're playing cricket, they're dominating, you know, the shorter format of the game, which gives them so much confidence. Baba Razan came into this tournament with about four or five fifties and a hundred under his belt. So he's a class player anyway. So he's just, you know, he's, he's coming in with confidence. That for me is why these were, they, were, they weren't a dark horse for me. I thought they were a very, very much deservedly one of the favourites. I think I get the impression we're going for an England-Pakistan final. And if that is the case, that would be the right... They would be the two best teams in the tournament so far, don't you think? Yeah, I think for me, they've been the best two teams in the tournament. Nobody deserves to get to a final. I think you've earned the right to get to the final. But I think at this moment in time, the two sides that have earned the right to get to the final at this minute has been, have played the best cricket, have been England and Pakistan. But, yeah, small margins change games and you look at the 20, 2019 World Cup final, small margin, a decision going your way, an overthrow going your way in England's case at Lords that day and the biggest one could be the toss. You get the toss going in your favour, all of a sudden that favourite tag might just go out the window. And I'm delighted now to be joined by one of the breakout stars of the tournament, Black Caps opening batter, Daryl Mitchell. Um Daryl, thank you very much indeed for, for your time um, day before a, a semi-final. Um, I, I expect you must be a little bit nervous, but probably a good nervous, are you? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. It's the wonders of bubble life that we've got a fair bit of time on our hands during the day. So I'm more than happy to catch up and have a chat. And I guess there's always those little bit of nerves, but at the same time, just really excited to, to get stuck into tomorrow. And, and hopefully, um, yeah, we'll see what happens and hopefully we can walk away with the win. I've got so many questions to ask you, like... How did you go from? I'm fascinated by cricketers who are retreaded into a new role or, or retread themselves. So I'd love to hear about how you came to open the batting. But but first of all, I want to know what it felt like batting against India and slowly, effectively knocking them out of the tournament. I mean, you could hear a pin drop in that stadium towards the end, couldn't you? Yeah, it's obviously it's something that yeah I guess you dream of playing in the big games and in World Cups and and trying to help contribute to winning games for your country. For me, it was, it was just nice to go out there and, and get the job done. And, um, yeah, to do it against India is always pretty cool, especially they're usually pretty full crowds, and it's normally very, very loud. So, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was a funny one. I was just sort of in the moment trying to do my job. And, yeah, lucky enough, got a few out of the middle, and, yeah, we got the win. Yeah, you've mentioned the India game, but there must have been at least a little bit more pressure on the Afghanistan game, knowing that you're going to knock India out and get... You know, to go to a semi-final on the ground you were playing in. Yeah, that Afghanistan game was effectively, I guess, a quarter-final for us. Um, 
they're a very strong team with, as you know, guys that played T20 cricket all around the world and, and dominated. So, um, yeah, it's definitely something we were, we were looking forward to. We're pretty um, clear in how we wanted to go about trying to beat them. And, um, yeah, I thought it was a real, really good professional performance, especially from our bowlers, um, to get the job done on that surface and, and get us through to the semi. And like Manu said, you've gone to the top of the order. New, new role for you. Uh, one, how's that been? And two, how easy is it when you've got something like Martin Gupta at the other end? Yeah, it's um, obviously something if you said to me a month ago before this World Cup started, I, I probably would have said you, you've lost the plot. But um, yeah, for, for me personally, even though uh, as an all-rounder, I'm used to sort of batting in that middle order. Um, yeah, so for me, it, was, it wasn't a massive change. You know, batting at three, you can come in in the first ball anyway. So um, it probably was... It's quite cool to have a, a clear role leading into the World Cup and, and to be able to play with a guy like Guppy who has scored thousands of runs in this format and is one of the best in the world. So, yeah, to be able to lean on him and, and ask him about certain bowlers and stuff has, has been really helpful. And, yeah, it's just cool walking out and, and trying to make the most of the top six. So when you were asked to bat at the top, I assumed that was to have you as a bowling option. But, but the bowlers have all been so good. I don't think you've bowled a ball in the tournament yet, have you? Yeah, I guess that's a good sign, isn't it? If I'm I'm not having to bowl it over, it means our boys are doing the job. And yeah, as long as they keep doing it, then I'm I'm more than happy to to not have to bowl. But yeah, I'm I'm still preparing as if I'm I'm going to have to get through one or two overs every game. And oh yeah, I'd love I'd love to that they just do the job and I don't have to. But I'm I'm ready to be called upon if if Kane needs me. And what plans for Josh Butler? I mean, are you keeping an eye on? Obviously, you're keeping an eye on the England team. I mean, they've, they've had a couple of injuries now. Jason Roy's gone and. Jamal Mills obviously is injured as well. Are you, um, yeah, so plans for Josh Butler? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, England are a world class team. They've, they've been dominant in white ball format um, for a number of years now. And um, yeah, we're obviously pretty clear on how we want to go about taking on the English. Um, Josh is obviously in a great reign of form and we're, we're pretty detailed with how we want to go about it. I'm not going to give too much away because it's 24 hours away. But uh, <laughs> yeah, look, T20 is a funny game. It's a game about momentum and um, yeah, we'll obviously try and, and throw some things at them, which yeah, hopefully put them off their plans. And speaking of someone like Josh Butler, has has watching someone like Josh go about his work, you having to go to the top of the order, have you picked things up off the likes of you know Butler and Sharma, these players that have, have done it on, well, you've got you know, the perfect person at 22 yards away, Martin Guptill, but has watching these guys helped transition to get from middle to top? Yeah, I think it's it's something not just myself, but our whole team in general. We, I think we're just more worried about trying to be better each day and, and be the best players we can be. And and you do that by looking at some of the best in the world and seeing how they go about their work, both, um, yeah, on the, obviously in games, but then how they prepare as well. And, um, yeah, so you're definitely taking things from all sorts of guys or, and, yeah, trying to adapt them to your own skill set. And, yeah, hopefully that that helps you perform better. I know there's a warm-up game, so it doesn't you know, have any really relevance or anything like that. In 2019 World Cup final, the, the small margins went into England's favour. Is it is it a case of, well, if the small margins go in our favour, we've got a chance to get to the World Cup final? Yeah, I think, you know, especially in T20 cricket, every ball matters, and it's something we pride ourselves on with our, with our fielding as well. You know, that that's a way that we can sort of control um, the little things that we can, and yeah, the nature of cricket and everything goes your way, but hopefully on some days it goes more your way than the opposition. So, um, yeah, we'll just keep trying to be us, be Kiwis and, and go about our own business. And I've only been playing international cricket now for the last two, three years. And I'm just very grateful to, to be in this position. And I think when you do have days where you, 
you start to get fed up of the bubble life, you just remember how lucky we are to be doing this for a living, um, to be able to represent our country at a World Cup. And um, yeah, I think that when you put it into perspective, we are still very lucky to to be able to do this with what's going on in the world. So um, yeah, I'm absolutely loving it, to be fair. Okay. And finally, um, key men, key battlegrounds in that semi-final? Oh, you can name matchups from 1 to 11. Um, I think it's going to be a hell of a game. Yeah, we've obviously played a lot of cricket against England in the last few years, and um, I think that that's good and bad. It means that we probably both know each other's strengths and weaknesses. And, yeah, I know us as a group, we're just really looking forward to going out, um, playing our style and and sort of getting stuck in and, and seeing what happens. Um, yeah, we obviously can't control the outcome as such, but we're going to do everything within our possible means to try and win, that's for sure. Thanks for your time. That's really very much appreciated. Um, and uh, hopefully... It goes very well for you, but not absolutely perfectly. <laughs> Thank you. Nice, nice to have a chat. Tommy, um, you know, he was very modest about his 49 that effectively knocked India out. It's still sinking in for me. I, um, I don't know whether you watched India bat against New Zealand, but it was like a slow motion car crash. It was staggering, staggering to watch. And I know that New Zealand bowled very well, but the whole impact of, of India not making the semi-finals is, I, th- I mean, you know, it's, I think the ICC have lost millions because revenue, advertising revenue during the semi-final and final, if they're in it, is like three or four times what uh, it costs, what it does for other teams. What, what, what do you make of India's performance in World Cup? Yeah, I thought they just they just struggled. They just seemed to be disjointed. I actually think that. They did what India do well, which uh, from a, a negative point of view is that sometimes they just pick the wrong side. You know, Rohit Sharma didn't come out to bat in one of the games at number one, and I'm like, really? This guy's got double hundreds in 50-hour cricket. He's you know, he's one of the best opening batters in the world, and he, he shunted him down to number four. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. This is, is again, before the India's test match series, Chitna Narola says, you know, the only team that beats India sometimes is India. And I think that that happened in, in more than one occasion in, on this tournament. You're right, when they played New Zealand, let's give, I, I would rather look and give New Zealand a huge amount of credit for the way they performed on that day, the way the, the bowlers bowled. You know, didn't need the sixth bowler because all five did their jobs properly. Um, and like, you know, you're right, it was like rabbit in the headlights and how do we get out of this before it's too late? Well, it was too late and they got, they got done over and New Zealand deserved to, to win and go through. Like we've said many times, the, Sports stars aren't robots. All them cliches that come with it. It must have been very. It must be very difficult to be an Indian cricketer in that bubble. And I know exactly what Daryl Mitchell just said. You know, we're we're fortunate and privileged to, you know, to be doing this for a living. But after a while, two and a half years and two years into a bubble, for these guys that have gone IPL, a tour, IPL home series, IPL tour, it's got to take its toll mentally. And I think. I think we've just seen that over the last four weeks. It's just, you know, the one final straw that 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 really broke the Indian cricket team. And a break now for for them would be ideal. They're not going to get it, but a, a different captain from a shorter format, a different coach, more or less, you know, in all format, uh, could be the you know the, the best thing for India going forward because yeah, sometimes you just need that that different voice, maybe the same message. It's a different, different singer singing the tune. Okay, this was it is an end of an era, as you said, because not only is Virat Kohli stepping down from the T20 team as captain, 
but he's um but so is the coach Ravi Shastri. He's um moving on probably back to broadcasting actually. But th- this was him afterwards um suggesting that bubble fatigue could have been the reason for India's demise. When you're six months in a bubble, this team there are a lot of players in this team who play all three formats of the game, and in the last 24 months they've been home for 25 days. I don't care who you are. If your name is Bradman, if you're in a bubble as well, your average will come down because you're human. I think it's tough times. That's why I say in life, it's not what you accomplish. It's what you overcome. And that's what this team has done. They've shown the drive to hang in there. No complaints. But sooner or later, you know, the bubble will burst. So you've got to be careful. That was uh, Ravi Shastri. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And next up, we'll stay in Dubai and we'll be joined live by England fast bowler Kamal Mills. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. And I'm delighted to say, as promised, live from Dubai, Timal Mills now joins us. Not in the ideal circumstances, obviously, because he'd rather be playing tomorrow, but... um, 
it's been a it's been a terrific World Cup, and I know that it's disappointing for you, Timmel. But you know what? I mean, job done in many ways. You 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 made it back to the squad. You made it to the starting eleven. You bowled really well. You showed you still have it at an international level. And this is just another little hiccup, right? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Uh, good afternoon, guys. First of all. Um... Yeah, like it's, it's, it's kind of mixed emotions. Obviously, ultimately, I'm very disappointed, um, gutted, really, to be missing out. Um, as you say, kind of done done a lot of hard work over the last year to, to get back here and was obviously loving being back in the team and, and, and playing well and just enjoying the whole experience. So to get this injury, um, it's kind of almost worse. It's, it's quite a minor injury. I'm, I, I won't be far, far away from... Well, I'm back. I've got to start running again tonight, and then I'll, I'm going to start building up again. I've got hopefully another tournament out here after the World Cup, so I'm literally, I think, going to just miss the the rest of the competition. So that makes it tough. But um, yeah, look, it's, it's it's been great to be a part of this team again. Kind of just get back involved with the lads, and yeah, fingers crossed. You know, obviously I'll be supporting the boys along with Jay Roy for the rest for the for the rest of the way, and then. Uh, yeah, fingers crossed I'll be kind of back in the, back in, in the fold come the new year when we tour the West Indies. But um, yeah, it's uh, a, a lot of mixed emotions, but um, yeah, it's just supporting the boys the rest of the way. You got yourself in in the team for the first game. How was that for, for you? Because you know, you've, you've been on this journey of blast 100, getting yourself in a position to write, I'm now here, I've earned the right to come here. How nervous were you in that first game? And during them four games where you both fantastically well how was the emotions then because it must have been quite difficult to pull that England shirt on again after everything you had been through to get there yeah a little bit it might not be the answer you're looking for but I kind of I kind of expected it of myself and wanted it was where I wanted to get back to I wasn't nervous I was I was I've only really been nervous before one game of cricket in my life really and that was my my England debut I remember I was nervous the day of that game Um, and since then I've call it a bit, a bit of cockiness or whatever, but I always enjoy it. I love it. I, you know, that's where I want to be. Um, and I, I think that comes, you know, I've done, I've had a really good year. I'd had a really good preparation. We had a really good camp in Amman before we came out here. And then the training had, had gone really well up until the first game. And yeah, I just felt ready. And I, I was, I was, you know, just excited. And obviously then we then got a really good start with the ball. So I came, when I came on to bowl, I, it was, it was obviously a difficult situation, but the team was in a great position. So that was a nice platform that the bowlers before me had given. And yeah, I was, I've, I've just been loving being back out here in general. I've certainly not been nervous. And, and that, that also speaks to the environment as well, that um, Spoons and um, Owen Morgan and everybody kind of kind of sets up really. It's not a, you wouldn't really know we're playing in a World Cup semi-final tomorrow. It's, it's, and, and, and for me, that's a, that's a massive positive thing. And you, you speak about the semi-final tomorrow. Guys that have played 2020 cricket around the world, is there a lot talk about who you're facing tomorrow? As in, from a bowling point of view, you know, you're one of the best left armers in T20 cricket alongside Tim Southey as well as Trent Bolt. It's a, it's a fair bowling unit that New England are caught up against tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. And we're just approaching it as we've approached every, every other game. So there's been no real chat of New Zealand as of yet. We'll have our, have our meetings tomorrow. The, the main thing that we've been doing throughout this competition, and it's been kind of a, a repetitive kind of slogan there too, sorry, it's, uh, you know, we focus on ourselves and, and what we do well. And that's obviously helped this England white ball side in, in great stead for the last couple of years. So um, I'm sure that'll be no different come tomorrow. Timal, it's uh, an illustration of just how much English cricket has changed and its fortunes have changed. 
because you know not so long ago uh, a world cup semi-final would be regarded as a, a once in a lifetime opportunity but you sound very relaxed um and you make well you say the whole team is very relaxed you wouldn't think it was the day before a world cup semi-final and that's just again an illustration of the depth of english cricket because you, you're probably all thinking well well we've got f- we've got a few more of these coming our way <laughs> yeah like, again you got to you got to tread that uh, line between kind of confidence and arrogance and we certainly i think that's something that the, the team does really well but yeah like literally what we're, we're at midday now I've just been, we've all got our families here and we've just been down playing in the swimming pool with our kids uh, all morning. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, there's just, we're just focusing on our, on ourselves, not changing anything that we've been doing so far up until, up until this time. Um, that's, that's definitely a positive thing. I, I think if you try and make it out to be, okay, you're playing the World Cup semi-final, this is a huge deal. That would probably have a negative impact, in, in my opinion, on the, on this group of of players. So, um, yeah, I think obviously Morgs and Spoons know what they're doing. Uh, as you say, they've had a lot of success over the last few years, and fingers crossed, there's um, there's more to come. What about IPL, uh, Jamal? Um, it's expanded, as you know. Uh, there's going to be two very ambitious new teams. Are you? Um, is your name going in the uh, in the auction hat? Yeah, I'll be I'll be in the auction. Um, yeah, I had a bit of interest for this to rejoin it this year but I wasn't eligible due to not being in the in the auction last year so fingers crossed um yeah I'd love to get back I feel I've got you know a bit of unfinished business in terms of the IPL obviously didn't go as well as I wanted it to four or five years ago now so um yeah as as I mentioned earlier I want to sorry as I alluded to I I just want to be playing the best level of cricket that I can you know obviously I've, I've managed to get myself back into this uh, fold and I want to stay in you know in this England T20 squad um, and likewise I want to I want to play in the best T20 leagues around the world as well and obviously the IPL you know is is, is probably the best in in that regard so yeah hopefully you know fingers crossed but I've also learned not to get too disheartened and, and not to to think too far ahead if you know if those things don't happen but yeah I'll, I'll obviously be be chucking my name in the auction come whenever it is uh, next month or January and um, no. Joffre Archer, no Ben Stokes, no Jamal Mills, now no Jason Roy. And then you look at that England team and you look at the squad and you still think, blimey, it's not bad. There's a hell of a <laughs> lot of depth in this team, isn't there? Yeah, of course. And look, there's, there's plenty of players that aren't even that still aren't even here that, that could um, more than do a job as well. Obviously, you saw that what happened in the summer when England had to play Pakistan with a you know, completely different squad. So, you know, it's, it's the white ball cricket in England is is very strong. There is a lot of depth. You know, somebody's going to come in for Jace tomorrow in a World Cup semi-final and, you know, whoever that might be, um, they're going to have the complete confidence, you know, in, in the captain, the rest of the team. And as you say, everybody that's going to be watching and listening at home. So, um, yeah, look, the squad has been stretched a little bit. We used a bit more than ideally the the higher-ups would have liked, but that's, that's the nature of cricket. And, you know, unfortunately, myself and Jace are going to be sat watching on the sidelines uh, when we'd rather be out there in the middle. But that's obviously the nature of the game. And we'll obviously be doing everything that we can to help support, you know, the lads that are coming in. But, um, yeah, look, we've, we've got a great squad out here. And, you know, confidence is high. Everybody's training well and everybody's looking forward to it. It was great to see you in an England shirt again. You've worked so hard for it and uh, you deserve it. And hopefully hopefully the, the boys who are still on two feet can, can earn you a medal. Yeah, fingers crossed. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> Great to have Tamal Mills back on the show. Just a quick word about the associates and particularly um, Scotland and the journey that they've been on. We've had Shane Berger on the program a couple of times. Of course, he's the head coach of Scotland. Um, this is uh, what Captain Kyle Kutzer 
had to say about Scotland's World Cup journey. Hopefully there's a lot of exciting things ahead. We've obviously got another World Cup to start preparing for and a lot of World Cricket League series in between. But this seven weeks or so, I'm extreme, extremely proud of how, how we've played and, and what we've achieved. We've got an excellent group uh, and the guys are willing to learn. They're trying to learn as fast as they can and being exposed to what we have been exposed to in the Super 12s is only going to make us stronger and make us actually realise some of the, the skills on show and some of the efforts you have to put in to achieve it at this level. I think we've shown on a couple of occasions almost what we're capable of. We've got plenty left in the tank, but um, hopefully from the seven, seven weeks or so, we've managed to inspire as many associate nations as we possibly can and hopefully certainly inspire young cricketers back in Scotland. So that's why we're here. We're here to try and give it all for our country and, and be able to inspire as many people as we possibly can. That's, that's how I started many years ago, watching Scotland play in the World Cup and hopefully there'll be a few more boys and girls coming through that will want to play cricket for their country. He's a great man, Harmi, Kyle Kutzer, and I know that uh, you, you know him well. Now, people will, will look at the results and they'll say, well, you know, was it in Scotland's best interests to come up against the big boys? And, you know, they've taken a couple of uh, thrashings at, uh, at the hands of some of the big teams. But, but Kutsa says that they need to play more, not less. Absolutely, man. And um, I was so pleased for Kyle. Yeah, I'm proud of the Scottish boys because of, like I said and joked many, many times, you know, football, England, Scotland is a huge rivalry. But cricket, there's a lot of Scottish cricketers, Irish cricketers played or developed their skills in, in first-class cricket or with first-class counties in England. And I think there's a there's a closeness between your know, cricket in the British Isles. And you're right, they aren't the right to be there and they deserve to be there. And for me, for once, the ICC is getting the, the tournament structure right. Get the Associated Nations in, get the ones, that the, the big boys that haven't, you know, been performing well. Um, they haven't earned the right to be there in the main tournament. You know, the, the big boys come in a little bit later on and it's a long tournament for, for, for four teams who qualify. I think that's spot on. It's perfect. So, and I think Scotland will be, will benefit from playing against the big boys like that. I'm not bothered about the results really when it comes to, you know, Scotland, I think Scotland were ever going to get to the semi-final, nor would Namibia. But the, the exposure that it gives to their young cricketers, you know, a young kid in Scotland's just seen Kyle Kurtz and Mark Watts, you know, Bear Berrington, all these guys, you know, the pictures that have come out, you know, sharing a dressing room with, with Virat Kohli, talking to the Pakistan players after the game, Kian Williamson going in and saying nice things to them. It's things like that will, will make one of make young Scottish cricketers try and get the best of their, to be there, the best they possibly can do to try and forge a career in cricket as opposed to, or in sport, because, you know, that's, that for me is, is the, the images of that are, are more than anything you can, you can put a value on. So hopefully Scottish cricket will thrive from being in there with the big guns um, and we'll see the benefit next year, the year after when, you know, these, these young players do, you know, de- develop and perform. But Scotland have, have, have had a good tournament, in my opinion, because they qualified for the, the, you know, the Super 12s um, and it, Times, they held their own. It's time now for the Breaking the Boundaries feature with the Institute of Cricket. Breaking Boundaries on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. For the best chance of making it in professional cricket, you need to train with us. Find out more at instituteofcricket.com. I'm delighted to say that uh, we're joined, as always, 
by David Smith. David, uh, tell us what's happening. So, yeah, we're just coming off the back of a very busy October half term. I mean, we've seen some fantastic growth in our, in our courses that we've, that we've run this October, which is fantastic. And lots of children still very keen and eager just to continue playing cricket, you know, which is absolutely brilliant. The expansion, David, you know, you've, you've told us last time we spoke, you know, you were, you were moving into, you know, the, a new world. Uh, how's that gone? You had your first session? Yeah, no, it's been, it's been really positive, actually. I think, our, you know, our challenge now is to continue to identify other areas within the UK that we can continue to move our programmes to and take the Institute of Cricket across the country. So we're, we're currently in the middle of doing that. Um, and hopefully we'll be, we'll be launching some new sessions, uh, probably up north, down south, towards sort of Devon, Cornwall. That's certainly all in the plans at the moment, but um, but yeah, a very successful October half term, which is which is great. And you move now from October half term. You know, kids get the Christmas presents. They've got the bats, the pads, the gloves for of Santa. What <laughs> uh, what? I mean, there's a little bit of a wait before they they the get out and to uh, to get to use them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, lots of counties will be running trials at the moment to decide who goes onto their pathway. So. The programme never really stops. I suppose our challenge as a business and obviously for the wider cricketing world is to encourage children to be playing cricket 12 months of the year. Um, and that's more from a fun perspective, really, just to get playing. And the more that they can play during the winter, it certainly has a massive benefit when they come and come back to the season in April. So that's what we're trying to encourage is that, you know, don't, you know, not some players will take it very seriously because they want to almost have a pre-season like a pro. But other players are just look, looking just to tick over for one hour a week, have a bat, have a bowl, have a field, and that's it. So, um, so yeah, there's plenty of opportunities still there. How's the uh, how's the cost element on that when it comes to you know for kids you know, trying to keep them active? Because I can't imagine too many sports halls give you their their facilities for free, and costs are you know costs do mount up. How do you, how do you overcome that? Do you get sponsors in, or do the cricket boards help with paying for that? No, not at all. No, we're completely privately funded. So I suppose from our perspective, we'd just fall back on our reputation. The fact the business has been running for almost 15 years now and that we've got an exceptional following in the area. Uh, we're, we're clearly always looking at new venues. So there is a risk associated with that in terms of the costs and obviously the, the, the fact that the players might not necessarily be always coming to the, you know, those sessions. So it does take a little bit of time. We, you know, we, we understand the market and we understand our marketing in particular. So, you know, even though some sessions are riskier than others, we, we want to try and take cricket out to everybody. So that's sort of our, our mantra, I suppose. And finally, David, it's not all work. There's some play as well. Have you been keeping an eye on the uh, World Cup, England's progress? Yeah, it, it's, it's looking positive at the moment, isn't it? I think that they're in a great place. And um, hopefully, you know, we can continue that cricket buzz going by England lifting the 2020 World Cup trophy as well. Many thanks indeed, uh, David Smith. Thank you very much for your time and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, guys. Nice to see you. That was the Breaking the Boundaries feature with the Institute of Cricket and David Smith. Breaking Boundaries on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. For the best chance of making it in professional cricket, you need to train with us. Find out more at instituteofcricket.com. Okay, believe it or not, it is five weeks, a mere five weeks before the Ashes begins. So we thought we'd have some fun over the next five weeks on the Cricket Collective. And we're going to uh, revisit five of your favourite Ashes moments, Harmy. Um, in no particular order, whatever order you like. But for the next five weeks, as we build up to that first Test match at the Gabba, Harmy's favourite five Ashes moments. What's your first? 
Um, I'm going to go obviously in reverse order. I've left so many out. There's been some, you know, some great memories, um, and I've just had to change one just right at the last minute. But that's for later down the line. I think that's week three. I think the fifth fifth in the list is Sydney 2003, the Test match at Sydney. We were four 0 down, dead rubber, but what an unbelievable Test match! Butcher got 100, Vaughan got 100, Carrick got seven for never played for England again. Andy Carrick was a you know, fantastic bowling bowling display by Caddy on the on the last day. But the highlight for me was being on the field. I think it was at three twenty seven on day day three. I think it was Steve Wall walks out to the middle, and what everybody's thinking is his last ever Test match. You know, these family were in the crowd. Everything was going, and by I think it was by two minutes to six, he needed one to get to a hundred. It was a great innings. The atmosphere was electric. 50-odd thousand at, at Sydney had not left the ground. And when Nasri Sian just held a little bit, waited for the clock to get to the point where we knew it was going to be the last ball, um, asked Richard Dawson to throw it a little bit wider and Steve Waugh hit four to win, to, to get to 100. The noise, the atmosphere was ridiculous. So to be on the field at that time, you know, that was a you know, ridiculous special memory it, for all the good reasons. You know, Steve Wall, one of the best cricketers that's ever played in Ashes cricket. Um, and sometimes, even when you're on the opposition against the old enemy, you do doff your cap and say, wow, that was amazing. And for me, as a young man trying to forge his career, I think it was my fifth Test match at the time. I was looking around thinking, wow, this is unbelievable. Test cricket is unbelievable played like this. And one of the greats of the game got 103 hours. He was brilliant. And when you look at that uh, now on YouTube, it still brings the hairs up on the back of your neck, doesn't it? It gives you goosebumps. I can see the goosebumps on you now, just remembering it. It was unbelievable, man. I was standing there. I was, I was in mid-off and Nasser's come running past. And he's just trying to get the theatre of it. But it was, it was brilliant. It was, I was, I think I was 24 at the time, me and Rob Key. And we were, I think Keithy was into his sixth test match. I was in my fifth. And we're looking at each other going... Who wants to play county cricket ever again? Nobody wants to play the game again at, at, at this sort of county level. This is the place to be. And, and, and Steve Wall, Adam Gilchrist came in and smashed a few. Steve Wall got that ridiculous 100. And then in the second innings, you know, a little bit of help from Russell Tiffin, the Zimbabwe umpire, managed to get us a, a victory and a celebration I will never, ever forget. I, 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 I can see it now because I don't think I'm going to go to Australia and ever get locked up for doing this. I, I, I did steal the, the, the golf cart from Sydney and you know we drove quite a bit outside the Sydney test ground at 10 o'clock at night, considering we finished at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, having a lot, a lot of alcohol inside of us because we couldn't get a taxi home. And then we got a conscience and decided that you know, we're going to have to leave the leave this golf buggy on the side of the road and the dressing room attendant Rocky what a great fella he um, he did come at me during the one day series as to say you you big useless so and so um, you left my golf buggy yeah somewhere you shouldn't have and I had to apologise but it was all fun and games it was a fantastic week of cricket for me coming in with one of the greats of the old time being on the field it's proud to say I was on the field when Steve Ward got that 100 it was it was a magnificent week the great mystery of the uh, Sydney Cricket Ground golf buggy has been solved. OK, Harmi, let's, let's turn our attention to events at Yorkshire County Cricket Club. We said last week when we uh, chatted to George Dobell um, that it wasn't going away, um, that uh, 
it, it's never ever going to be brushed under the carpet. So resolution is is on its way. I mean, it hasn't arrived yet in its entirety. Lord Patel has uh, been appointed as the new chair of Yorkshire County Cricket Club. They've uh, reached a compensation agreement with Azim Rafiq. Um, and uh, he, Lord Patel has confirmed that um, there's no NDA, uh, there's no non-disclosure agreement. Azim Rafiq will not in any way be restricted with what he can say when he faces MPs um, in, uh, later on this month. Um, he's also, Lord Patel has uh, set up a whistleblower line and it feels finally that real tangible progress is being made at Yorkshire. Yeah, I watched the, excuse me, the interview with Lord Patel. And first of all, I thought he spoke brilliant. I thought he spoke magnificent yesterday. We don't know the full facts. And that's what we've got to, we've got to remember. On the 16th of November, when I think Roger Hutton and Azim Rafiq and one or two might go in front of you know, the, the, the committee of MPs, we'll get a lot more of an idea of what, where, where this story is going. And I think Lord Patel went a long way yesterday to start a line in the sand of we're going to start now to rebuild our club from one side of it, but also look at what's happened in the past and make sure that you know, accountability is, is, done in a, is done in the proper and right manner and right channel for everybody to be able to move on because you know, what, what has been coming has been, has been dealt with. Um, I'm proud of Azim Rafiq and the way he's not let things go. I can I can understand some of the stuff that's going that's been thrown around because I was for a small part manners I was in that dressing room for five weeks um, in 2011 I did go into that dressing room for for Jason Gillespie to help him out at the end of at the end of the 2011 season uh, Rafiq was in there uh, obviously Gary Balance's name's been mentioned in there um, and it was for me it was a group of young lads who, who were enjoying being professional sportsmen that's the sad thing. Of, of this for me because I looked at my time at Yorkshire quite fondly. I, I had the fortune to play with Joe Root and Johnny Bairstow. You know, Gary Balance was in the getting uh, talking about being in the England recognition. You had Adil Rashid, you had um, Azim Rafiq, who were all very, very good cricketers and very, very close friends. So for me, this that's why it, it's so sour. But I'm pleased that Azim has got these India. He can speak open and freely that you know, of what he, of what he feels. And, 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 and I'm sure everybody now is, is taking notice and, and taking this thing seriously because it's a serious subject that he is talking about the discrimination and Yorkshire need to rebuild their, their brand. Yorkshire need to rebuild their reputation. And a big one for me is, is what the ECB do from here, because I'm sitting here as a, as a former Durham cricketer for 18 years and my club, my club, I thought was wrongly was was harshly dealt with. We lost our test status. We were rele- relegated from Division One. We started the following year with forty odd points against us. We basically went to rock bottom. We lost five international cricketers. International cricketers, five five players. I think four of them were brought up in Durham. Had to leave Durham because of the sanction that the ECB give to Durham County Cricket Club. And I think. Up until last year, James Franklin and Marcus North have rebuilt that club, along with uh, the chief executive, have rebuilt that club, get a credibility back, and we're now moving forward, producing good young England players. And that was off just financial irregularity. This is racism. This is serious. 
So what the ECB do with Yorkshire, I'm very, very intrigued to see. Now, you also said that how impressive you thought Lord Patel was when uh, he spoke. Uh, he's spoken a couple of times um, over the last uh, 48 hours. For those who haven't heard, let's just hear a little bit of, uh, of Lord Patel. I've been appointed with a clear remit of righting the wrongs of the past and making sure that this club is an inclusive home for aspiring players of the future. But let me be clear from the outset, racism or any form of discrimination is not banter. It's simply not acceptable. It's clear to me that we've handled this issue badly and the investigation was flawed. We need to learn from our mistakes and ensure the right people in place and ensure we do better. We've settled the employment tribunal case, the legal proceedings with Azim Rafiq. Absolutely no restrictions have been placed on Azim on what he can or cannot say about his experiences. We're ready to believe and we're ready to change. I suppose while I've been speaking today, I'm acutely aware of the need for actions, not just simply words. There's much more to be done, which will become clear to me in the coming days. I'm determined to make this club the beating heart of English cricket again. After 158 years, we're ready to change. We're ready to accept the past and we're ready to become a club which people can trust to do the right thing. Well, he's calm, he's measured, but he's firm. He's less than 72 hours in the job and, uh, and everyone is immediately very, very well aware that he is uh, a leader of enormous integrity. And I don't think that he has any interest in, in breaking Yorkshire. I also don't think that necessarily he um, is interested in punishing people per se. I think he's more interested in, in educating, isn't he? I think that's the, that's nailed perfectly, Manners. As you as you always do, so eloquently put things. That is nailed perfectly. He's not looking to he's looking to build Yorkshire back up. I thought the way he spoke on on a lot of fronts yesterday. You know, he was asked about you know the chairman, the chief executive, and the director of cricket running the club, and he said, "Yes, at this moment they are because I'm just a chair. But if I have to make executive decisions." I'll take executive privileges. I will. And I thought when he said that, I was like, mm, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying what you're saying here because you, you're letting the due course and process go. You, you're not standing on, not so much standing on somebody's toes. You're being respectful for what the job description that people are in post are doing. But I'm also going to put my foot down if I, if I deem it's right for me to do that. But I'm going to do it when I've had a good think about it. I'm going to do it when I've got all the information in and I'm going to do it in the correct, proper way for Yorkshire County Cricket Club. And that for me, when he said that, the way he said it like that, I thought, yeah, Yorkshire are in good hands here. You can't be just discarded. I think it has to be done, you know, done right. The punishment needs to fit and needs to be measured in such a way. But I think they've got a good man in Lord Patel at the very, very top. And that for me is a very, very good starting block. Great stuff. Thanks, Army. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Anthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you missed the show or you wish to catch up, you can download, as always, the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back next week to look back at the T20 World Cup final, as well as to continue bringing you Harmy's top five Ashes memories. 
This has been the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 